I'm Garrison Doctor. And I'm Corinne Doctor. And this is Fishing Stories. Fly fishing takes us to incredible places right in our backyard and across the world. We are here to tell you the stories of those adventures. The Fishing Stories podcast was born out of an idea that Garrison and I had while we were thinking about how can we recreate that moment right after a fishing trip when you want to tell all your friends about all the things you got up to, sometimes over a beer, sometimes around a campfire, but for these purposes, it's uh, coming through your speaker or headphones. Uh, We find ourselves in the midst of the global pandemic right now, so we had a little extra time to sit down and record some of our favorite fishing stories, and we have now found the opportunity to call some of our favorite friends who have great fishing stories. Yeah, so today on the podcast, we have one of our favorite people, Francisco Vilches, goes by Pancho. And Pancho is coming to us from uh, Patagonia, the Chilean side of Patagonia, sort of middle southern, I guess. Patagonia is a pretty big region, and he'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Pancho is one of these people in the fly fishing world and in the broader world that has a fantastic and contagious outlook on life and a, a positive attitude towards life and adventure that is uh, inspirational. One of the things he told us before we headed out on our first full day fishing is, I don't have expectations about anything. I don't have expectations about fishing, about who people are going to be, and then I'm never disappointed. And we kind of adopted that um, throughout our trip that you're going to hear more about here shortly, where every day we left the lodge with no expectations and because of that every day was fabulous yeah i will say i had some preconceived notions of you know just from seeing photos of chile and what the fishing was going to be like and was blown away yeah we both went down with kind of this idea of what we were going to see and what it was going to be and i know i was blown away by the caliber of fish the many different landscapes we got to see. Yeah. I mean, each day was different. Um, We got to see kind of the Pampa, which is the higher altitude sort of desert-like area. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing how many different ecosystems are compressed into this very small geographic area in this region, which allows you so many opportunities from a fishing perspective. Um, So anyway... Sit back, relax, enjoy a little poncho time, and hopefully this will inspire you to one day try to get down to Patagonia. And if not, you can just live vicariously through these stories for now because that's all any of us can do right now. Ain't that the truth. Hola, Pancho. We're here today with our, our friend Pancho from Chile down in Patagonia. Pancho, introduce yourself here. Well... My name is Francisco Vilches. My nickname is Pancho. And I'm a guide in Chile, Patagonia, way down south. And I run a little fly fishing lodge down here and a guiding service. And we can attest that it is a top-notch guiding service and beautiful lodge. Yes. If you go, when you go, 
you will be one of the family. Uh, what is, like, describe the region where you are a little bit, just because not everybody's lucky enough to have been to Chile or Patagonia or uh, specifically the Coyhaique area where you are. Well, so a lot of people have heard about Patagonia. Patagonia is a vast area on the bottom of South America. So Patagonia, uh, it's a huge area between Chile and Argentina. So I'm on the Chilean side in central Patagonia. That it's considered central Patagonia. And this is the 11th region in Chile. And my closest town is Coyhaique. And that's about it. There's not much, there's not cities around or, or anything. So we're, we're, we're located in central Patagonia in, at the banks of Lago Frio. Yeah, that's our location. Beautiful. And is that where you are right now, I assume, Poncho, on the banks of Lago Frio? Yes, I'm on the banks of Lago Frio right now, looking at Lago Frio. Yeah, Can you this see? is uh, where we have our lodge. Sorry? Can you see any risers from where you are? Well, I would like to say yes, but not at this very moment. Dang. It's kind of overcast and cloudy. It's beautiful. Fall time down here. As you guys go into spring, we go, we go in our fall, which is a great time to chase big, big browns. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, we wish we were there. So speaking of being down there, Poncho, uh, we wanted to kind of relive some favorite moments from our trip when we were down to visit you a few months ago and uh, wanted to see if you had any any highlights from your perspective. And just to set the scene a little bit, uh, Garrison and I had the opportunity to go fish with Poncho over Christmas. So we got there... Um, a couple days before Christmas and then fished that entire week and we got to see some incredible water. And fish. And fish. Not just the water. Right. (laughs) Both. And fish. Yeah, well, it was was great having you guys here because, I mean, both of you are great anglers. Um, From my guide perspective, it's always awesome to have, like, good sticks on the boat, you know, because you can (laughs) do a lot and 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 get to experience some of the like the quality fishing we have down here so so it was great fishing with you guys you know um hanging out spending time in the water you know the, the first day that we went out i mean you guys crushed it on, on lago frio yeah that was a classic that was a classic garrison fishing trip moment we got off of the plane, you know, three or four planes, 24 hour travel day, got to the lodge. And I think within 40 minutes, we had our waiters on and we were heading out to fish. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if you guys were too tired, you know, and I offered and you guys were like, yeah, of course. You know, I thought we, we had a lot of, a lot of clients, you know, they get the first day off, you know, they, they, they get here, they kind of relax, you know? So yeah, I remember asking you like, what do you want to do? You want to chill out have some cocktails at the lodge or go fishing? And Garrison was like with a big smile, ah, I think we're going to go for option B. <laughs> I think we had at least a cocktail before though. <laughs> oh yeah, he had, he had a few. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, 
to to the water and and well you guys did a good job Corinne has a that's right well Corinne has a bad habit these days when we go to a new location of catching the first fish while I'm sort of getting in the zone a little bit which always just kind of gets my uh gets my juices flowing a little bit so it was classic that I think I hooked and lost three in the weeds and then Corinne landed one before I finally got yeah, one in the net. <laughs> and then he got yeah, serious. Corinne was, like, <laughs> was like, enough of that. <laughs> Come on, Garrison. We want to yeah. see one of these. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. We want to see one of these. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was great. I that mean, was like pretty much the whole week. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like Corinne would bring the first fish in, you know, like kind of, and then it's like, okay, Garrison, this is how we do it. <laughs> Somebody has to show it. That's though. right. Somebody's got to yeah. get me serious. <laughs> well, that first day was so fun just because it was unlike anything we've ever done, just like fishing those holes between the weeds. But like you said, when we were down there, like you barely ever fish the water that's right in front of you because the everything else nearby is holds bigger, better, more aggressive fish for the most part. Uh-huh. So, Garrison, do you want to share some of your highlights, or at least one? Well, sure. There's so many to choose from, but the uh, the next day, our first full day with Poncho, we drove to an absolutely gorgeous lake, kind of a, a classic Patagonian setting with these peaks all around this lake that are like spectacular kind of jagged Andean peaks and uh it was a a crisp breeze blowing and uh we caught some gorgeous rainbows as we were just talking about in front of the lodge but in my mind Chile is synonymous with brown trout I mean the wild brown trout with those Chilean spot spots, patterns yeah cheeks so I mean, Poncho and I had talked about being pretty excited to find some uh, some brown trout. So we went to this lake and I, I very much remember the first brown trout that we landed kind of with the wind coming at our shoreline, kind of fishing a real tight um, kind of mudline windblown edge on this lake. And uh, just, I mean, not a giant fish, but kind of a classic, what, 16 inch yeah, healthy brown. fish. Yeah, which you can catch, I think, about a trillion of nearby. <laughs> <laughs> well, but they're just spectacular trout. It was also just such a cool scene, you know. We had pro guide Poncho like, okay, Corinne, we're going to go up on the ridge. We're going to spot fish for Garrison. So Poncho, eagle-eyes Poncho is like, there's one. All right, Garrison, it's right there. Cast to it. Sure enough. Sure enough. Yeah, so that was definitely a highlight for me. The other thing that really sticks in my mind, I mean, I I guess I feel like this with most fishing trips is that the fishing and the fish is what we talk about because, you know, that's what we go for is, is ostensibly for the trout fishing. But what I come away with and what really makes an impression is the place and the people that you that become friends and the place that you kind of get to know during those trips that really makes such an impression. And 
that whole Koyaike area, I just felt like more than any other place that I've been in my life was like a home away from home, like a place where I could see myself being very happy for as long as I was able to be there. So that that definitely stuck with me. Uh, the other thing just briefly that comes to mind is we had spectacular lunch breaks. And I'm not a guy that likes yeah. to take a break while fishing. I I uh, have a hard time sort of putting the rod down. I definitely like breaks more than Garrison does. Right, right. If there's fish to be... Yeah. The chance, you know, just to, to uh, see the mountains, you know, like breathe, you know, relax a little bit. Not too long, you know, but not just like a sandwich on the boat. I think it's important just to slow down and, and, and just enjoy your meal and and see the mountains because when you're fishing you sometimes you miss a lot of the this the scenery you know because you're so focused looking at the water you know but when once you stop for lunch you can see birds you know and the mountains and the trees and i think that whole thing is part of the experience as well you know it totally is and i think that americans have such a hurry up kind of mentality about any activity they take on and so it's really nice just to have that, like, sit back, have a hot meal. I mean, it was not hot weather for me while we were down there. I know it you. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was early spring when you guys came, you know. It was like high water, rainy. Yeah. But, but we, we managed to to have fun and find some fish. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I remember specifically on the banks of this glacial uh, lake connecting river with these peaks that were kind of in and out of the clouds above us and yeah. Poncho was cooking up some locally harvested red stag steaks on the in the frying pan and uh, I mean just an absolutely amazing place to sit and have a really quality steak and enjoy a cold beer and you know that sticks in my mind a yeah, little bit the clouds would lift off the peaks and there would be fresh snow and then the clouds would come back down that was an incredible man, man i want to go fishing now <laughs> <laughs> i know it's more fun to fish instead of talking about fishing yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. all right yeah, corinne you know now that you're now that you you were mentioning the koyaki area it's really a, a, a sort of a unique place in Patagonia because um, in this area of Chile, you know, we have both sides of the Andes, you know, right. and it would be something like similar to have both sides of the Rockies, you know, because our main border with Chile and Argentina is the Andes, you know, the huge mountains. Yeah. But in this particular area, we have both sides of the Andes. That's why we have so many options, you know, because one day we fish like the... Pampas, you know, like the flatlands, yeah, close to the border, and then some other days we fish these glacier lakes on rainforest area, and, and you can be sort of like in Montana, you know, like Livingston area, or or Washington, you know, within an hour, sort of yeah. to, to put it in perspective. Well, I do remember so never knowing where we were. <laughs> Because the mountains were like all around and then they were behind us and then they were in front of us. You know, here in the Denver Boulder area, the mountains are always to the west. So we always know where we are. But that was not the case down there. 
Yeah, well, the rest of Chile is like that. The mountains are always on the east. You know, that's like, okay, on the other side of the mountains is Argentina. But down here, you know, it's like... If you cross the Andes, which are not that high in this part of the world, um, you know, within 40-minute drive, you're in a totally different landscape, you know, like, uh, um, and, 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 and water conditions. Yeah. So that's, that's really uh, cool and unique about this area. And that's, that's one of the reasons I chose to move down here. Yeah, because you grew because up as a city boy. Life. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I didn't grow up over here. I'm, I grew up near in Santiago area in the capital, but I've always loved fishing, you know, and so I decided to move down here for that same reason. After scouting many, many different areas in Chile, I, I really fell in love with this place. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, understandably. Well, Corinne, do you have a, a highlight that sticks out to you from our trip down with Pancho? Yeah, uh, Pancho and Garrison are both major brown trout, brown trout fanatics. I love brown trout too, but I also, I just like catching fish, so I'm a little bit easier to please perhaps, but they both had brown trout on the brain and Pancho said, well, I've got this secret lake that we can go to and it's going to be a little bit of a drive. It's going to be two hours. And we we're like, oh, two hours. We drive two hours to fish most times. So like, let's go. Um, so we had our breakfast sandwiches on the road. I took a little nap. The boys, you know, did a little DJing. We got there and the very first spot we were fishing, Poncho grabbed me by the elbow. He said, okay, we're going to, we're going to fish over here. Garrison, you go to that side right over there. And there's fish everywhere. Just go ahead and cast. <laughs> and I think it was maybe my third cast and just short little casts as my guide instructed. Um, and just kind of jigging a little bugger and the biggest orange flash came up and smashed my fly. It was so visually incredible. And then it was such a heavy fish and it wanted to go under the bank and try to get off. And um, luckily I landed the fish pretty quickly. I had a great net guy and a great uh, instructor there for where the fish could break me off and keep them out of there. And it was the most gorgeous fish I've ever seen in my life and absolutely the biggest trout I had ever caught. I mean, just, I mean, one of those fish, like I told Poncho, you look up brown trout in the dictionary, holy smokes, there it is. Man, that fish was just immaculate. It was one of those fish when I was like, oh, good, Corinne's got a fish on. You know, that's exciting. Do, to do, to do. And then you see it roll and you're like, oh, my goodness. And it was jumping. And of course, like, I was like hooting and hollering because I don't totally hold back on excitement yeah. when I'm fishing. This is not just a trout. This is like a, a six pound, like brown trout of a lifetime trout. Yeah. And then we proceeded to catch like five more just like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that was funny. It's like, this is your biggest brown. And then like 15 minutes later, it's like, no, this is your no. biggest brown. <laughs> yeah, no, this one's yeah. bigger. This yeah. Is, no, this is my biggest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Yeah, that lake yeah, uh, we affectionately refer to as Secret Lake Number 17. And uh, we <laughs> ended up fishing there again because... 
I just loved it so much. I mean, it it was because you got addicted to it. I did. Yeah, it was uh We it, would go today if we could. We would go today. It was the perfect compromise of quality and quantity. Um and Poncho, you could elaborate on this, but it seems like there are places where if you really want to go for huge fish, which we're doing next time, yes or yes, but if you really want to go for huge fish, there are places you can target some really, really big browns, but you're probably not going to get uh, very many chances in a day. This lake provided a lot of chances, a lot of hookups, you know, some decent numbers, but then the quality of the average fish was incredible. Yeah, they were big fish. They were healthy fish. They had incredible eats. I mean, even though we were fishing like little buggers and small streamers, they would take almost on the surface. Right. It was incredible. Right. Yeah, I distinctly remember a couple of those fish eating from coming up from the bottom. So the first thing you see is that brown trout flying out of the water where you know your fly was. Just spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, as you said, that you know, fishing lakes down here, it's a great, you know, it's sort of a highlight. A lot of people says, no, we don't fish lakes, you know, we're river anglers. But the way we fish lakes and the amount of lakes, you know, we got down here, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a highlight of this area, you know, because as you experience, you know, we're not using little coronamates, you know, we're just, we're not anchoring or using bobbers, you know, so it could be really fun to fish lakes, you know, uh, fishing streamers or sight fishing, just like saltwater flats, you know, for, for bonefish, but, but for, for browns, you know, especially a little more in the summer, but, um, that, that's great down here. And as you said, there's places we call, I call like zero or hero because there's some big lakes, you know, with inlets and outlets, you know, and sometimes in these places you can find some really big browns, but you really got, got, got to commit to it. You know, it might be one or two chances, you know, to, to get a, like a 30 plus inch brown. And, and that's really cool down here because, because you can still find those fish on, on a regular basis you gotta work for them you know it's like big fish do not fall from the trees in patagonia but if you work hard for them you're you're gonna find them you know well and didn't you go check out a new lake like three days after we left uh, yes i did yeah yeah that was just like on new year's eve or something like that like uh or the same day of, of new year's yeah and i got this massive brown at a place that i wanted to check out for many years and then okay i, I had the time i went there and caught the fish you know like i think i sent you a picture oh you did how big was it poncho <laughs> Oh, wow, I don't know, 30s plus, you know, like a good 15 pound brown, you know, like. That's amazing. Yeah. Solid. Yes. And, and, it, and it was caught, you know, not with a sink tip, it was with a floating line, a little streamer, but floating line on a little flat, you know. Um, so it was fun. It, it, it's. And I've never seen anywhere in the world i fish many places but i've never seen places where you can find big brown trout in shallow water you know for the most part year round or, or the whole season you know right. fishing season is not open year round here but, but i mean you know what i'm trying to say yeah yeah so that that's really cool so 
if you really want to put the time and effort to catch a big round, that, that that's going to happen down here. You know Garrison wants to next time. Yeah, I'm in. Oh, put yeah, me in, Coach. I'll come. I just might have to take a few more breaks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and we have the classical, you know, like freestone or or spring creek fishing, you know, with more with more numbers, you know, with more fish. We have the classical trout fishing down here, but we also have this lake fishery that is really cool, you know. Yeah, I was so excited to experience that because like you were describing that bobber with a chronomid, like that's really most of my trout lake fishing that I I personally had done previously. Like maybe throw a little streamer every once in a while, but the most effective thing was always like bobber with chronomids and nymphs and whatnot. So that was just, it really opened my eyes to some cooler ways to fish lakes. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we came back and I was, I was telling Tanner on our team that I didn't fish uh, a single nymph and I never fished anything smaller than 3X. Because there's no need to. I mean, we were fishing streamers or big dry flies. And don't get me wrong. I mean, they're wild brown trout. They're not easy. They're not stupid. But also, they're not that pressured. So you put a streamer in front of them on 2X, and they're probably going to hammer it. They will. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They can be. You know, I realize they're very people shy, you know, but when it comes to a fly or, or the size of the tip, they don't care. You know, they're not used to see people or shades. For I guided for a while in Canada near Toronto, some rivers that would get a lot of pressure and you could work a hole over and over, you know, with nymphs. And those fish were really peaky, you know, with, with the size of the tippet, the size of the fly, yeah. but not that much with people walking around. They would just sit in that hole, you know, and, and if you work hard, you would catch them. Down here, they're not peaky, you know, but they're really spooky as, because they don't see many people. I mean, some right. places they don't see people at all. So they're yeah. just not used to the shapes or you know like people walking on the banks so as you said it's not they're not stupid but they they can be very spooky and and challenging as well you know right right well we can't wait to get back when uh all this craziness is over and for sure airlines are flying again and we'll be back (laughs) um before we let you go (laughs) sorry Padre. i was just gonna say before we let you go i um I guess I was going to just ask, you know, in my mind, Patagonia is a place that for a lot of us in the States and in the Western United States, Patagonia is still a place where you can maybe not discover new water that hasn't been fished, but where you can really kind of explore and and find some spots that don't get fished very much, um, aren't well known. And I know you do a ton of scouting down there on your own time. Do you have a a fun story from a surprise or discovering some new water that uh, that you'd never been to and didn't know the potential before? Mm, I don't know if a fun story, but <laughs> what you're saying, it, it's true. And that's one of the things that I really like about down here, you know, 
I think the Xi'an region, particularly this area, is one because it was so difficult to access, you know, because of the mountains and the fjords and the Pacific Ocean. It's one of the last places where the white men, you know, Europeans came. So it's pretty un untouched, you know. I mean, the, the oldest house down in, in this area has got to be like 80 years old. You know? <laughs> Everything is kind of new and there's a lot of water. There's a lot of places where you can access only by water or air, you know, there's no roads. And and one of my favorites actually is just going out on, on, a, on a little boat that I have, this, this semi-rigid, and just go out on the fjords and just try to find rivers that dump into the ocean, you know, and just try to swing flies for Siran Browns, you know, or, or salmon, you know, Chinook. Um, and that that's really cool, I mean, of being down here year-round, just the possibility of explore and find new water. In some places, maybe too remote, I'll, I'll never be able to take clients down, you know, but that's one of the things that keeps the, like the fisherman uh, uh, dream alive, you know what I'm saying? So you're always, you're always hoping to catch the big brown, and, and that could happen down here any moment, any moment, you know, like the biggest fish of your your life well we can't wait to hear about when you catch the biggest fish. yes yes <laughs> what's the biggest king salmon you've ever caught down there the biggest king salmon we got on a scale it was 32 kilos which it would be a little bit over 70 pounds you know wow that's just yeah, a horse on a fly yeah yeah it's they're, they're huge you know and, and they're hard to land it's like a freshwater tarpon, you know, they just go yeah, crazy. Yeah, they just do They're not so give up easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so although we don't target that much as an operation because the runs are not very, you know, we don't have huge runs like in Alaska, the only cool thing is just the size of them. I mean, the size of the salmon, the average fish, you know, it's got to be 40 pounds, you know. Yeah, that's incredible. Incredible. Yeah, so they're just... They're awesome to catch when they're coming just fresh from the Pacific, you know. And uh, yeah, I love great. it. And, and with this salmon, you know, you you could tangle, you know, a big brown trout uh, or a huge rainbow trout, you know, like a, a steelhead or or a serum brown. Right. So so it's very exciting, you know. Whenever you're drifting these rivers on on the mouth of. of of the ocean and just tossing streamers sort of blind casting and you never know what you're gonna get <laughs> that's so crazy i love it well awesome poncho well we so appreciate you taking the time and we can't make it to wake it make it back um tell everybody how they can learn more about chile trout lodge if they want to come book a trip well you can call the guys at red your water <laughs> and have have first impression, you know, and, and have learn about them. Or you can go online, you know, uh, chilatrout.com, and there's some basic information there. And that's how, how you can contact us, you know, like email or, or phone call. And, and we'll be more than happy to talk to you, talk about a, a possible trip or, or the programs that we have, you know, uh, seven days or 10 days, you know, like how to get down here just to solve all those questions you might have. And we always like to hear about, I mean, from new 
people, you know. So, yeah, if somebody's interested in coming down here, just drop us a line on, on, on the internet. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, my friend. Well, you take care down there and keep uh, keep us posted on the fish updates. We want to see that next big one when you go on your next scouting trip. I will. You know, we, we have a lot of free time now, so we've figured out this whole... Uh, world madness, you know, we, we had to close our lodge one month before, earlier than what we expected, so um, now that we deal with the clients and refunds and stuff like stuff like that, now we're going to have time to go fishing. We have like almost two months, uh, no, like a month left of, of fishing season, so yeah, we're going to take advantage of that and go explore and, and, and we'll keep you posted, you know. Absolutely. We'll those pictures. We can't wait to see them. Take care, my friend. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Once again, a big thank you to Poncho for joining us and reminiscing on all things Chilean Patagonia. And thank you for listening. Just a quick reminder that if you want to find out more about Poncho's operation, the Chile Trout Lodge, you can go to chiletrout.com or his Instagram is Patagonia. And if you have any questions for us, comments, or maybe even your own fishing story, please shoot us an email at tellusafishingstory at gmail.com. Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water. And the mandolin jingle was performed and recorded by Sam Williamson. Thank you. Until next time.